Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to another fun TFL Talking Trucks podcast episode. And I have a very special guest, uh, David Chow. And David, uh, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. I'm really delighted to come back again on your channel, uh, Andre. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, two to three weeks ago, we did a show talking about the upcoming Toyota Tundra, the next generation. And it turned out to be one of the most popular podcasts we've ever done. I was surprised, but people love trucks, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So on this show, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the Land Cruiser uh, because the Land Cruiser 300 series is a brand new generation for the off-road uh, full-size SUV. Uh, unfortunately, it's not coming to the US, but, but um, maybe we can glean some of the information because there have been several different kind of unofficial leaks about the 300 series Land Cruiser. So maybe we can glean something from that information related to the Tundra, maybe the next Sequoia. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Plus, I mean, of course, we're going to still get the Lexus LX, which is going to be based very closely to the Land Cruiser. And who knows if there is a enough uh, outcry from everyone, they might still bring the new Land Cruiser back, right? So, yeah. um, but definitely the new <clears throat> the new TNGAF platform that's being used on the Land Cruiser is the exact same platform with some modification for Tundra. And of course, Tundra shares a, a close uh, relationship with the Sequoia. So there's a lot that we can learn from the Land Cruiser spec and information that will then, um, you know, kind of move over to the Tundra and also to Sequoia. Cool. And David, can you please introduce yourself briefly? So in case people didn't hear our previous episode, they kind of understand what you do. Oh, absolutely. So I'm born and raised in Japan, but I went to school in the U.S. and Canada. So I grew up in both countries. So I'm bilingual in Japanese and English. But I was very fortunate to be uh, one of the very first Japanese engineers to be hired by a Japanese uh, North American joint venture company more than 35 years ago. And so I was, uh, I guess they call it uh, one of the first uh, Japanese engineers to actually come to North America and set up shop here through uh, two manufacturing operations. And then since that time, I worked for Toyota and a number of other Japanese companies, including a Toyota supplier as an automotive engineer in also in testing and development and also manufacturing production. And I currently teach a Toyota production system or what we call lean thinking to companies all around the world because that's my specialty. And uh, so apparently I'm supposed to be sort of the sensei, which in Japanese means coach or teacher mm-hmm. around the subject of anything to do with automotive engineering. Well, thank you for being on the show once again. Of course. And then- And then on the side, you also have Automotive Press, right? Uh, Your channel and also website. 
So I do have an automotive uh, channel on YouTube because I want to find a way to express creativity and talk about things that perhaps other YouTubers do not talk about, which is to have a kind of engineering angle and uh, sort of insider's information, if you will, because there's lots of things that uh, perhaps average YouTuber just don't know. And it's kind of fun to share that. So that's my channel. Okay, Automotive Press. So if you guys want a little bit more detail, of course, you can check out that YouTube channel. And of course, you can find TFL Talking Trucks podcast anywhere on podcast, Apple podcast, and um, the rest of the platforms. And of course, on YouTube here uh, in video format as well, you can find us on TFL Talk uh, channel. So let's hit it right off the bat. So what do we know about the 300 series, the next generation Land Cruiser? Sure. So we actually know a lot about the Land Cruiser now. It was supposed to be launched in May in Japan, but it got pushed back due to chip shortage and COVID situation. But unofficially, what we're hearing now is July 1st is the actual first introduction of the what we call the 300 series Land Cruiser. And that's for the gasoline engine. And then a couple of weeks later, July 19th is for the uh, diesel turbo version. And, and then there's going to be some kind of celebration for August, because that's the official 70th anniversary timing for the Land Cruiser. So it's going to be called the 300 series. The current model is 200 series. Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of chatter in the forum, in the Japanese forum, I should say, about uh, the details and spec. And uh, the most significant news is that um, a dealership or a number of dealership have received some confirmation about the 300 series Land Cruiser now. And that's have now come into 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 light. So we can talk about everything from the model models to the exact spec for the engine, and as well as even options and features that we'll have. Uh, and then there also been some leaks from uh, I, I believe again Russian website that mm -hmm. seems to always get the first leak about an actual photograph of the interior and some mock-up photographs of the outside, and they resemble very closely to the rendering that were created by the Japanese magazine website called the Best Car Web, and uh, which I think you have that uh, in your background there, Andre. Yeah, so so once again, to review, so some of this information is from uh, one of the Japanese dealerships, right? Correct. Um, so kind of unofficial, and there are a few more spy shots um, and a rendering based on a spy shot, right? Exactly. So, and yeah. I there's about, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 different rendering out there about the Land Cruiser. Uh, 300 and I can tell you exactly which one is accurate and which one is not accurate based on what I heard and also what I've seen. Uh, so the one that, uh, uh, that I've sent to you, Andre, are I think the two of the most accurate ones. Yeah, and this is uh, bestcarweb.jp, correct? Correct. Yes, it's all in Japanese. You have to use Google Translate. Yes. And um, uh, but there is a specific. So they've been talking about Land Cruiser for a while now. Yeah. And and there's also a couple of other web website, Japanese website, Creative Three One One, which is a newer website. And then there's a forum called Kakaku, which is which means pricing. It's kind of a really strange name for a forum. Mm -hmm. But this is where Japanese goes to talk about pricing and details and information and. And then it just so happened there's a one big thread uh, that is talking about how um, a dealer principal or a dealer manager was able to obtain the actual spec sheet for the Land Cruiser. And so we uh, that's in Japanese, but we did translate that into English. And uh, so we can we can share that to the viewers as well. And I know some people always wonder, are these legit? Uh, well, what I did was I looked at the Japanese spec sheet and the font they use is the font they normally use in Toyota documentation. Mm -hmm. uh, again, because I worked for Toyota, there's lots of familiar, familiarity there. And so I can confirm that is a correct and looks legit to me. Okay, so so let's start. So the next Land Cruiser, still body and frame, right? Obviously, yes. Um, yes. TNGAF platform. Uh, but you last on last show, you told me that this platform is more than a platform. It's kind of a methodology, right? Right. For, so for building. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Toyota is a very smart company. As you know, they're business company first, more so than uh, engineering company like Honda. But 
Uh, TNGA, which stands for Toyota New Global Architecture, originally referred to the a series of new platform and new frame design they came up with that has a, a more strengthened rigidity, a better structural design, a lower um, center of gravity, a higher a pivot point or higher visibility, and also much easier manufacturing process. So the whole thing was designed to lower cost, uh, increase rigidity, which increases handling capability, and, and to make the whole program cheaper and easier to produce. But then I suppose within Toyota, they decided that it's more than just about the platform that it needs to be extended to talk about the entire process. So traditionally, how car companies design and build cars are very awkward. You know, there's a series of design, engineering, manufacturing gets involved, then they have suppliers are all involved in the beginning. And the whole process can take, as you know, four to six years to design and build a brand new model. Mm -hmm. And so there has been tremendous interest within Toyota to shorten that because obviously, what we call fast to market concept, the faster you can get to the market, uh, the, the obviously the more competitive you are. So when they looked at the TNGA methodology, they said, wait a minute, we can find a way to collaborate and coexist with different suppliers, with different groups of engineers, so that design engineers and manufacturing engineers are suddenly in the same room, these days virtually, but <clears throat> same room and co-develop and and, and discussing and collaborating the topics. So by changing this method, we call this method OBEYA, O-B-E-Y-A. It's, uh, um, it's a Japanese term that means large room. So like in a large room, all these key personnel are in the room discussing together so they can shorten the discussion time. And, and now OBEYA concept has become a worldwide business concept actually. But uh, so, so they're now referring to TNG as not just a platform on which the trucks and cars are built, but the entire methodology of designing, creating, and building and delivering cars to the customer. And so there's a lot of confusion out there. People refer to TNGA as both the platform and perhaps the approach also, but it's, it's one in the same. It's mm -hmm. a referring to both. And the reason why there's a dash F, TNGA dash F, is because there's also the TNGA uh, dash, you know, K and dash uh, L, there's different models. They refer to a different sizing for uh, different types of cars. So, uh, you know, I think that the Lexus LC and the LS is on TNGA dash L platform. Mm -hmm. And the new, new upcoming um, electric cars are E dash TNGA. So they're still using the word TNGA, but they're actually completely different platform altogether. The important thing to note is that uh, Land Cruiser's TNGA-F platform is going to be sharing that same platform and the frame with Tundra and also with the upcoming Lexus LX and then subsequently the Sequoia uh, and then eventually actually going all the way to Tacoma. So that will also uh, use a shortened version of the TNGA-F platform. So everything that we learn from the Land Cruiser platform can that same thinking process can be applied to the other models coming up. Cool. And is do you think Forerunner is also part of that potentially? Oh yes, that's correct. Yes, yeah. So Forerunner is uh, as you most people know closely related to Lexus GX, mm -hmm. which in Japan is called the um, Toyota Land Cruiser Prado. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's very confusing confusing for us in North America, but yeah. so that also sh shares a TNGA F platform, um, uh, very closely related, related to the Toyota Land Cruiser Prado, uh, yeah. which also is related indirectly to <laughs> Land Cruiser and therefore Tanjo and Sequoia. Yeah. So let's talk about this 300 series. So what we know, um, I've read on some of these unofficial um, information that the next generation Land Cruiser will be about the same size as the current one. Is that what you have seen also? Uh, no, actually it's gonna be slightly bigger. Now there is uh, like four or five different trim levels uh, from GX, which is entry level all the way to ZX, which is a flagship model. And then on the side, there is going to be a GR model. Mm -hmm. And depending on which model you pick, they're 10, plus or minus 10 millimeter from each other. Okay. But all the entire Land Cruiser is about 20 millimeter longer. Okay. A slightly longer wheelbase, about the same width, but a little bit lower. Okay. I, th I think the, the current Land Cruiser is too high for some garage, I believe. So they're going to lo lower it slightly. But, um, and it's also about 200 kilogram lighter 
because they're going to use a lot more aluminum throughout uh, throughout the car bodies. Okay, so that's about what four hundred and forty pounds lighter. Uh, no, two pounds by two point two, so roughly yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, and and okay, so so that's uh, well, it's a good about savings of weight. That's always great, uh, and then also the sizing doesn't sound like it's changing too much. You know, maybe half an not, inch here, half an not inch too there. much. Yeah, correct. Right. Yeah, not a huge change in sizing, and uh, also, but but of course, it's a big change in the components to do with engine and transmission and the, even some of the overdrive versions and so forth are all kind of slightly being changed. And it's also lighter because we're moving from V8 to a six cylinder uh, turbo, twin turbo engine, Yeah, which is which so, is quite the biggest news. Yeah, totally. So let's kind of put the turbo diesel on the side, right? Because sure. there's also some information that turbo diesel will be available in other markets, right? Correct. So let's look, at, let's look at the twin turbo V6, the gas engine. Yes, um, that is interesting to us. Sure. So the uh, the turbo diesel is is uh, displays three thousand four hundred forty four cc. So it's officially a three point four liter engine. That's the uh, in, gas engine. That's the gas engine. Yeah. Yes, but it's I I don't know why, but it's marketed as a three point five by uh, Lexus. Bigger, bigger is always better. Bigger is better. Bigger, the number on the uh, the the car's uh, outside emblem never matches the engine size anymore these days. Yeah. But anyway, so that I'll just call it three point four for now. The three point four is a twin turbo engine. Uh, it's called the uh, the model number is V thirty five dash FTS. It's exact same model number as the engine used in Lexus LS currently. And recently, about a few weeks ago, I went and actually drove the Lexus LS with that exact same engine because mm -hmm. I really wanted to know how that engine feels. Granted, of course, it's going to be tuned differently for truck purposes, but you know, there's only so much engineers can hide when it comes to engine performance and character. So by uh, kind of reading between the lines, I can drive the Lexus LS, ignore the handling, ignore the suspension, and I can feel you know, whether or not the engine will be sufficient for uh, a Tundra or in this case, a Land Cruiser use. Mm -hmm. So I did get a, a pretty good insight into that. But anyway, in terms of the spec is supposed to be, so in the Lexus LS, it's 420 horsepower. Uh, we have heard from a Japanese site that it's also 420 horsepower for Lens Cruiser, but I believe that's a metric horsepower, and there is about 1.5% difference in the way they measure horsepower in a metric versus um, what we call the what we call the um, SAE rating mm -hmm. rating. Yeah. They call it PS rating. So, and then it's, it's very confusing because SAE has many different ways to measure horsepower. But anyways, so it, I think it's probably closer to like 400. 10 I, I i my guess is that you'll be between 400 and 410 horsepower and that's for the land this cruiser. is this is for the land cruiser but that's our guess that's now. our guess correct yes yeah they're claiming 420 in japan for land cruiser i believe that's a ps the metric rating not uh, the rating that we normally use here and they're also claiming uh 434 foot pounds of torque and so um that sounds about right to me but they might raise that for truck purposes uh, and lower the horsepower, you know, which is typically what they do. But the basic components of the engine is not going to change. I, I, people keep telling me that, hey, they have to change substantially for truck. Actually, that isn't the case. Uh, the engine can stay very, very intact. It's the other stuff that has to change oftentimes, all the components that's attached to the engine. But the basic configuration of the engine wouldn't, wouldn't change because the design is already there. So, and that should be made it to a 10 speed automatic. Um, earlier, like maybe last year, they were talking about six speed uh, transmission, but that's not the case. It's going to be, it's confirmed already to be a 10 speed automatic. So, and again, that makes sense because Toyota would not take a different transmission and mate it to um, uh, engine that has not been mated before. And so Lexus LS is the 3.4 with 10 speeds. So they're going to keep that same configuration, right, for Land Cruiser. So it makes sense to me. Understood. And obviously, I mean, when when looking at the current uh, Land Cruiser and, of course, the Tundra, I, I know, I mean, uh, Toyota has, you know, they pay attention to all the components, right? Um, the differential and the axles. And, of course, that's going to be different for the truck, uh, absolutely. But right. uh, And the brakes. Right, all that stuff. Um, all that stuff will be, of course, made for truck duty. Exactly, exactly. But uh, again, 
we can't compare the Lexus LS to uh, Tundra or Land Cruiser, but the Land Cruiser, which none of us have driven, of course, and the Tundra should be much closer than it used to be. Uh, the relationship between the two will be much closer because that was, that's the whole purpose of the TNGA uh, method, which is to bring cars closer together, which shares components, shares the uh, features and even options, so you can lower the cost and just basically be able to design everything faster and easier. Okay, so you mentioned there was a little table that I guess maybe one of the dealers um, had leaked uh, that's had the trim levels, right? And yes. One that catches my eye is the GR. Right. So recently, um, well, first of all, the Supra is already out, right? Available in the U in North America and the U.S. Um, and it has a GR uh, designation as well. And now they just announced the GR86, the next 86 sports car. Yes. And, um, and now it looks like the Land Cruiser may have a GR. So can you tell me, explain the GR Gazoo Racing? What is that? Sure, absolutely, sure. So, um, well, first of all, I have a GR Supra, so I really do appreciate anything to do with GR. But there is a huge misconception about what Gazoo Racing is, because there's also TRD, right, which is Toyota Racing Development. So, Gazoo, Gazoo actually means like, like a um, going all the way back. It used to stand for uh, visualization of things. So, when it was never uh, sort of directly related to sports cars before, but over the years in-house in terms of Toyota Japan, is decided to develop this racing arm uh, called Gazoo Racing, and it was very much pushed by um, Akio Toyota, the current president. Um, I've had a privilege to meet him about, I don't know, a dozen times over the years, and he keeps talking about how Toyota needs to become uh, a performance brand, or at least partially performance brand. And so he's been pushing Gazoo Racing for a while. But what people don't realize is that here in North America, we have the GR Supra and soon to come GR86. And then we have the GR Yaris for rest of the world. So those are true high performance models. But in under the Gazoo Racing uh, umbrella, they also have Gaz, uh, GR Sport. And then they also have a GRMN uh, in addition to GR. So the GR models are the true sports versions. Again, like the Supra, Yaris, and the 86. But GR Sport is mostly cosmetic with some suspension tuning. So it's kind of like the um, Audi S line, uh, line or uh, you know you can get with the BMW, you can get not M3, but sort of the M M, M Sport. M yeah. Sport, they call yeah. it, yes. So, and then now even Lexus has uh, F Sport, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it just, it kind of means like, like a lighter version of the sport. And so in Japan, uh, the GR Sport variations are applied to many different models. They have, they even have a GR Sport Prius. They even have a GR Sport Prius C, which we don't get anymore, the little tiny Prius we used to have. They even have a GR Sport Voxy, which is a small minivan um, that we don't get here, like tiny, tiny minivan. And there is even a GR Sport version of the CHR. So mm -hmm. these are clearly not high performance model, but an existing model with uh, a different uh, suspension tuning, um, different tires and wheels, maybe lowered a little bit, and obviously uh, a different cosmetic changes. And that's the GR. That's why it's called GR-S. The S stands for Sport. So the Land Cruiser GR is not a GR model. It's mm -hmm. a GR Sport model. So it is mostly cosmetic. There is another um, rendering from Best Car Web that shows the potential design for the GRS. And it's again, mostly cosmetic. It looks cool, mm -hmm. you know, darkened, darkened um, you know, uh, grills and, and trims and lowered stands and bigger wheels and black, blacked out things. So it looks cool and it probably interior, interior they'll have red stitching or blue stitching these days and so forth, but it's not a high performance model. Uh, they are actually, so I do have the spec of the GRS in front of me, and they're basically equipping it, equipping it like a flagship um, ZX, which is a full luxury flagship model, mm -hmm. but they, they're taking some stuff out. So they're trying to make it lighter, for example. So I think it's missing, like, for example, um, the, the whole um, moonroof is now a delete option mm -hmm. on that model, for example. And it uses 18-inch 18 18 inch wheels instead of 20-inch wheels on the ZX. 
uh, and it, it uses KDSS suspension instead of the adaptive suspension. So they're trying to make the GR sport version kind of simpler, lighter, more performance-minded version. So there is some tuning to do with that. And then in Japan, it will become, you'll be available both in the gas version and the diesel version. Mm -hmm. So, and this is for Japanese market specifically. Japanese right? market, correct. Right? So I, I think, I mean, if we're kind of reading between the lines, um, obviously the Tundra, the North American Tundra, uh, may have completely different trim levels, right? Completely correct. different methodology. Uh, it'll probably stay with TRD, right? Because that's the name that associated with the truck, I think, and and not so much as a as a passenger car. Right. Yes. Yes. So the, all these trim models, so it comes in GX, AX, VX, ZX, and then GR, GR-S. This only refers to Japanese Land Cruiser. The, also the Australian, the European, and other Asian market, market gets a slightly different model numbers. Mm -hmm. And typically in Japan, they like to use many different alphabet numbers to denote different trim levels. So even the Land Cruiser Prado, which is our Lexus GX here, has all these different model numbers. So here, of course, in, for Tundra, it's gonna for sure follow the exact same pattern that we've seen already. So, um, you know, there'll be SR, SR5, and TRD Off-Road, TRD Sport, and eventually TRD Pro, of course, mm -hmm. and probably Limited and Platinum. And I don't think we're going to get the 1794 anymore. But so I think the typical naming will stay for North America for Tundra. I don't think they'll change that. I gotcha. What, what have you heard about the 1794? What's, uh, what's going on there? Okay, so yeah, so nothing official there. Okay. But uh, as you know, because 1794 is, I mean, it's basically identical to limited with, uh, you know, as you know, more of a sort of brown color interior mm -hmm. and uh, some different emblems and so forth. It's, it's almost identical, but it hasn't been selling too well. If you look at the numbers and Toyota is at a heart uh, yes, they're very innovative, but they're econ economic company, right? They calculate everything on the economy of things. So if something is not selling, they'll just take it out the way they okay. did with FJ, FJ Cruiser. I don't think 1794 will stay. It doesn't stay. I don't think it stays with the theme of the new twin turbo and then down the road, the hybrid Tundra. I don't think that theme kind of goes with it. So I, 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 my guess is that you'll be dropped. I see, but that, I, that's just a guess for now. Okay, That's I just guess you. for now. I get you. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of the chassis, I guess, on the Land Cruiser. Um, so because we've seen some spy shots of the Tundra, right, the prototype, and we saw that the Tundra with the coil springs, um, and also very interesting exhaust system, right, that goes on the driver's side. So what do we know about kind of some of the suspension uh, sure. components? Sure. So in terms of suspension, it's definitely moving to coil spring for sure. So that's the that's what's happening with Land Cruiser, and cl clearly that's what's happening with uh, Tundra because I think you guys show the um, uh, video or photo of the underneath and it, it showed the coil spring. So for sure we're moving toward toward that direction. But people are puzzled because the the gas tank and the exhaust is on the opposite side from a normal application. Mm -hmm. So right. So the what you guys saw showed the exhaust on the pass uh, on the driver's side instead of passenger side. And the reason why for those people who don't know why this is important is traditionally it's always on if it's going to come out on the side versus the back. It's always on the passenger side because for many practical reasons. You don't really want the, the gas tank, tank tank to be on the same side as the uh, exhaust because if you're filling up and it drips and it catches fire, for example. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're in the winter winter uh, areas, you don't want the snow plow to come through the way and it splashes the snow and it pl plugs the uh, exhaust. So there's many reasons why the exhaust has to be on the passenger side or the curb side for North American application. Sometimes that's not the case, but I think almost every car is that way or it's pointing at the back, of course. Yeah. And so that was a very strange thing because the Tundra is clearly not marketed for other markets. I shouldn't say that, but as far as I know, it's really North American product. So it, why is it on the wrong side of the truck? So mm -hmm. my suspicion is that that prototype that we saw was what early, early prototype, not all that close to the production model. And it's only, uh, it's another evident, evident that uh, Land Cruiser and the Tundra is going to be very closely related to each other. 
So I think when they were doing the what we call the prototype testing or mule testing, they probably took the body of the Tundra and placed it on top of the um, up a Land Cruiser frame. And so the, the architecture underneath, which includes the frame, includes the transmission, the suspension, the engine that's all attached to the frame, right? They're not attached to the body. Mm -hmm. So, and then it's like a skateboard, right? Just like an electric car and you attach the body on top. Mm -hmm. So I suspect that they were using a Land Cruiser style or Land, or Land Cruiser derived frame with gas tank and everything all intact. And they placed the uh, Tundra body on top for testing purposes only. Mm -hmm. And so I really, really doubt that will stay for North American market unless there is, um, a right-handed Tundra they're designing for some other markets and they're mm -hmm. happening to test that here in North America. That's also possible. Um, but uh, so that's the sort of backdrop to, to that um, gas tank and uh, exhaust story. I gotcha. Yeah, so we, we recently, I recently test drove a, a current Tundra, the 2021. And I also compared it closely to the new F-150, the 2021 Ford yes. uh, truck. And um, one thing that became really evident is that the Tundra I was driving was a limited nightshade edition, which is pretty cool looking. Um, but the payload numbers and the towing numbers were much lower than a comparable Ford, for example. So I would imagine, I mean, we don't know towing numbers right yet or payload numbers, but I imagine uh, part of that suspension design has to be you know, increasing, increasing some of those capabilities. Absolutely. So, I mean, Ford F-150 still the sales leader, and uh, we've seen the prototype Tundra being driven with F-150 following closely behind. You know, they probably purchased dozens of F-150 for comparison purposes. That's what I used to do as one of my engineering jobs is we, we used to buy two to 300 cars a year and trucks, and we do direct comparison with the models we were testing. At the time, I was working for General Motors, actually, but... Um, and so Toyota would do the same thing, and um, they, they're going to have to match or exceed whatever Ford F-150 is has for payload and towing capacity. Uh, so even with a twin turbo V6, I think they will be able to match it because mm -hmm. Ford also has twin turbo V6, right? Yeah, yeah, that would make sense, make a lot of sense. Um, and also, I've noticed that the new Tundra prototype has a six lug uh, hub, uh, which which was a five before. So I'm, Correct. I'm assuming, you know, that's probably also for strength um, and capability. Yes, yes. So they had five lugs before, and so now it's six lugs. So now you can actually take the wheels off the, um, uh, you know, like a, a forerunner, I guess. It's a five, six lug now, right? So you, yeah. so you can actually use a forerunner wheels and put it onto a Tundra, which you couldn't do before. It's the same uh, basic spec as a Forerunner's wheel spec now. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a very similar offset, actually. So uh, the wheel, wheel and tire size will be different, obviously. Yeah. But that it's all designed to increase the structural strength of the, the way the wheels are held onto the hub. And that will automatically allow them to increase the towing capacity or other, other capacity as well. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. So uh, we do have, I guess, one spy shot of the interior. Um, and this was kind of an early spy shot, um, what, a couple months ago, maybe? Yes. Um, so that's the spy shot of the interior of the Land Cruiser. Again, yeah. I think it came from some Russian <laughs> Russian leak. It seems to always come from there. Yeah. And uh, it's actually a legit. That spy photo is the actual interior of the Land Cruiser. I can't believe they were able to get that because there's also a patent uh, or schematic, schematic drawing that came out. Everybody calls it blueprint. That's not a blueprint. Like a blueprint is a really old term that we used to use <laughs> because we had to print stuff on actual blue paper and it uses a, a light, light uh, technology to change the color. I don't know why they call it blueprint, but it's, a, it's actually a schematic diagram, right? Uh -huh. And uh, so it matches exactly what's in a schematic diagram in terms of the photo that was leaked. So it is accurate. And so it, unfortunately for those people who were wishing for like a large Tesla style, iPad style dash panel, we're not getting that. It's the standard 12.3 inches um, large, but standard size Toyota slash Lexus infotainment system. And then on the lower entry levels, there's a nine inch uh, infotainment system as well. 
So, so that part will be shared with Tanjira. Whatever you see on top of the um, the actual center console, that the infotainment system will be identical. Uh, and then, interesting enough, and thankfully, the Land Cruiser at least still shows buttons that you can press, and and knobs. So both the volume and the different functions are. I can see all the buttons are there. If you just Google uh, 300 series Land Cruiser, you'll see some of these photos. Uh, and then the steering was also shown, and the steering is is has exact same design as the the steering that we see on the new Hilux truck in Japan. So okay. that was that truck just came out a couple of years ago. You use a slightly different steering design, uh, and it's almost identical to that. So, you know, I can I assume that same steering will carry over to North American product. That's a lot hard to say, but again, Toyota is an expert in using common parts to lower cost and to increase efficiency. So I would assume that the steering will also look like that. I do talk about that a little bit in one of my previous. Uh, YouTube YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I've watched one of your videos about that as well. And um, yeah, it's in interesting. But even let's say 12.3 inch, kind of a horizontal orientation screen, right? So it's more of a landscape, not a portrait. Um, that's still, I mean, a huge improvement to where the current Tundra, you know, or you know, has a seven inch or an eight inch screen. Um, so. If that's true, if that's going to be transitioning, I, I think I think it's still an improvement. And obviously, I would expect all the latest tech, you know, the the camera systems, the 360 degree views, the um, maybe a cool digital dashboard, right, uh, or digital screens in the dashboard and stuff like that. Right. Yes. I so you're absolutely right. It's a huge improvement, anyways. And frankly, as an automotive design and testing engineer, I much prefer to have a combination of an infotainment system that's touch screen, combined with the buttons and 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 actual knobs. So that's I'm really glad they're keeping that at least for Land Cruiser, which means that most likely they'll keep it for Tundra. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really do appreciate that. And then there's also a leaked photo of the center center digital cluster and it's a combination of some physical dials mixed in with uh, the center the center portion of the center cluster is fully digitized so I, we can see that in the spy photos again as well so that will likely carry to tundra so mm -hmm. i think um traditional truck buyers who really like to be able to have buttons or be able to use buttons while they're wearing gloves and stuff uh, rest assured, we're still getting traditional sort of, I shouldn't say traditional, but a more comfortable um, environment because we can use them with buttons and so forth. Yeah, and also when you're kind of on rough roads or off-road, right, you, you want to have kind of spatial awareness, right, of where your controls are and so you can, you know, uh, operate those, of, of course. So uh, I wanted to ask... Um, a uh, couple things. So, what what about the hybrid, right? We talked about it in the last show. Um, now we have a little bit more information on this Land Cruiser. Everybody says hybrid, 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 hybrid. <laughs> so, so what's what's happening with the hybrid? There's not much mention of it right now. Right. So, um, in terms of the 300 series Land Cruiser, the hybrid is not coming out in July. It has been officially postponed. And so the latest I'm hearing is that it's one year away. And I'm also hearing that it could be a mild hybrid versus a full, a full hybrid for the Land Cruiser. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that it, the same thing applies to Tundra? Mo most likely. So even though there was some lots of rumors about uh, hybrid will be available right off the bat, you know, would there be even the prime, you know, the prime version of the Tundra? Mm -hmm. Could there even be electric, fully electric version of Tundra? Those are all possibilities, but not when the Tundra is coming out this year. Um, by the way, I did, I did hear some very reputable rumor that it will be released on June 17th to dealership personnel first, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then probably a couple of weeks later to the public. So, so it's coming very soon. Hopefully, we can't wait anymore. Yes. But, uh, but the hybrid will definitely not be part of that original uh, in, initial um, launch. And so, my guess is that hybrid will be for the following model year, so summer 20 next year, twenty two as a twenty three model. And I, I think it'll be a full hybrid, not a mild hybrid. But, um, but I'm hearing rumors that it might just be a mild hybrid. And the mild hybrid, you mean that the, the, the vehicle cannot drive completely on electricity alone? 
Is that right? Right. Yeah. So it's actually more like a regular gas engine, but when it when it comes to stop, and you know the engine stops from the start stop technology, mm -hmm. then when you're about to start again, instead of gasoline uh, starting up, it will they use the motor to start the car up or truck. Mm -hmm. So it would start very smoothly and quietly. And once the engine is on the way, the uh, sorry, once the car is moving then the engine will kick in. So what happened, because then you won't hear the engine kind of kick in. You know how when you're stopped and then in engine kicks in as you let the, the brake go, you know, there's kind of, people don't like that feel. Yeah. So by using mild hybrid, you'll be a really smooth start. And then you won't even hear the engine kick in because speed has picked up already. So that's the way mild hybrid works. But because of the, because so much energy is used in like in engineering terms, we use so much energy when you first start the car. Uh, so by using the motor there, there you also save gas, right? Mm -hmm. So mild hybrid does boost fuel economy, for sure, but not quite the same as the traditional hybrid system. Yeah, and right now the F-150 has a full hybrid, meaning yes. that um, to certain speed or in certain condition, the F-150 can drive on electricity. That's um, right. And um, I actually, uh, I own one because I wanted really to learn a lot about this technology. So... Um, I actually purchased one for personal use um, as well. So yeah, so we'll have to see, you know, what what the Tundra will bring. Obviously, we may not know, of course, everything because it's not official. And but and Toyota actually hasn't released a, a full timeline yet either. But all the information we have points to, um, and also dealership hints, even in North America, because a lot of dealers here in the U.S. also have published little pages saying. It's coming soon, you know. Right. Uh, stay tuned. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I know. So yeah. So it's a little bit unfortunate because all the one that I saw from a dealership, they're all they they have absolutely no evidence behind it because they're purely marketing um, method, I guess, to get people yes. to put to put deposit. The only one I've seen recently, and I did I do talk about that in one of my video, is uh, someone in the Tundra forum have just quickly. Um, um, show, showed uh, an actual what looks like an actual notification or a note from Toyota announcing that on June 17, something that's long overdue will be shown to uh, dealer personnel only in, in like a sneak peek, they call it. Mm -hmm. And then so what I did was I tried to reach out to a number of other de dealer principal and I haven't got an answer yet, but I examined the actual statement and it's, it's using the standard Toyota font. It's also using Toyota terminology. Like I can tell if it's not an actual Toyota written document, but the way it's written, the font they're using, the graphics they're using is pure Toyota. So to me, that looks legit. So the question is, is June 17, are they really introducing the Tundra or is it something else? We don't know that for sure, mm -hmm. but you say it's a car that's long overdue or something like to that effect. Yeah. Uh, so, and it, it kind of coincides with all the timing that we talked about at the last um, uh, last, last discussion with you, Andre, mm -hmm. because a truck should be, Tundra should be here by December. I'm very sure about that, even with the chip shortage. And which means they're gonna have to officially show the spec sheet and everything by September which means by August, they're going to have to announce it, uh, which means that a couple months before that dealers have to see it. Yeah. So to me, the June timeframe followed by July, August, you know, public information, then September, October pricing and December actual re actual arrival. It all makes sense to me. It, it, so I, I still think June 17th is at least when the dealers will see it. And then hopefully that means that we will also see it. Yeah, well, let's hope so. And and I'm sure, I mean, Toyota probably wants to update or release multiple vehicles, right? I mean, we, we've seen, obviously, this COVID uh, time has shifted a lot of schedules. Um, so, yes. And also no auto shows. We, have, we haven't really had an auto show in, in person mm -hmm. for the last year. So I'm sure there's a lot of things happening um, to, to, to be able to make that work. So yeah, so we there's not a lot of clarity, I guess, on the hybrid still, right? So we, no. we don't know um, a, a lot of the information there. Um, and then so Andre, I do yeah. I do think that just to just to clarify that part, I think it will be a twin turbo V6 hybrid. Not so right now within the Toyota family, there's no twin turbo V6 hybrid. It's only the 3.5 liter V6 um, hybrid on the Lexus uh, LS and then the standard Rav4 type 
Venza type uh, four cylinder hybrid. Mm -hmm. So, but I believe for the Tundra and the Land Cruiser, it will be the twin turbo V6 engine made it to the hybrid system. So that is new for Toyota. And I think that's why it's taking a little bit longer than expected. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they do want to compete, right? Ford has a similar twin turbo hybrid, exactly. V6 hybrid. So if Toyota really wants to take it, uh, take the fight. So that kind of makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And it also makes sense why it takes longer because it's a, a, a new engine configuration, right? Exactly. Yes. Um, so, and also last time you mentioned, so you, you don't think the TRD Pro will be right off the bat. You think the TRD right. Pro Tundra potentially could take longer. So if you look at the way Toyota markets or introduces cars or trucks, they purposely do everything in stages, right? So the first year of a new model, it doesn't matter. You can look, go back 10 years into the Toyota history of books. And the first year of a new model, they always keep it very basic. And every year they have a new trim or new model to introduce or new features to try to entice the customer to come back. Mm -hmm. So if you look at, so, you know, things like nightshade, you know, the, uh, what's the other trail, trail edition, trail edition, were all yeah. introduced toward the latter part of the life cycle to try to get sales to pick up, even though the models are getting older and older. Um, and if you look at the beginning of the, the model introduction, they don't ever bring the fastest or most expensive or the most uh, desirable version in the first year. So my guess is that um, TRD Pro is going to be one year later, and that one will likely have the twin turbo hybrid because they have to have a way to distinguish the um, TRD Pro. And the twin turbo hybrid, if it's, if it's the twin turbo from the Lexus LS, together with a new hybrid system, then it will have more power than the engine by itself. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense to me that they will put that engine on the most expensive, highest performing uh, model. Mm -hmm. So that's my guess. But who knows? I, they could surprise me, but I really doubt TRD Pro will show up uh, this fall. Yeah. And also, uh, we mentioned the Lexus LX, right, briefly, but that's also coming, right? So and, mm -hmm. and it will share a lot of the components with the Land Cruiser, obviously. Um, right. That yeah. one, yeah, so that one's supposed to be, so Land Cruiser is July introduction. I'm hearing that LX will be December timing, maybe even early 22. Um, but uh, the big question is, would the Lexus LX st still carry a V8 engine of some sort? You know, would it be the twin turbo V8 that sometime we hear about then? So I'm hearing more and more that it will be a twin turbo V8 versus the twin turbo V6 in really? Land Cruiser. Yeah, to, to distinguish the two even more than it used to be. They, they want the two models to be more further apart than it used to be, because obviously, as you know, the older models are too closely aligned together. And so I, I think that's still a possibility. I'm a little bit doubtful, but I don't think they will show, have the exact same engine as a Land Cruiser, because they keep saying they need to distinguish the LX more. So that's that's uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. I think there's still yeah. not, there's no uh, no one has seen any leaked photo of the Lexus LX. There's so surprisingly there's nothing out there, uh, and maybe it's a bit too early because it's not coming out for another who knows almost a year. I think right. Not even the Russian website has it. <laughs> not even the <laughs> Russian website <laughs> exactly. No, uh, but also I'm I'm thinking and uh, related to what I've heard Lexus say before is that their interiors will be quite differentiated as well, right? Because yes. they want they want their interiors to be, you know, the most high-tech and the most, you know, luxurious possible. So, I mean, with all these car companies introducing bigger and bigger panels with two or three panels placed together, like in the current, uh, the new Mercedes uh, electric car we just saw. So mm -hmm. I don't think they will ever go that far. Toyota is very conservative, right? But Certainly, they'll have to do more than what we are seeing in the Land Cruiser because it's just a one 12.3-inch panel. I wouldn't be surprised if that's extended in much the same way uh, they're trying to do with other uh, uh, concept cars. So, but again, no Russian or any other leaked photos yet on LX. Okay. Maybe we'll see that in a few months' time. Yeah, and also I have to mention the Sequoia, right? The Sequoia is still on sale um, here, uh, but... Um, when Toyota announced that the Land Cruiser has been discontinued for US, uh, they did say that uh, the spirit of the Land Cruiser will continue in a way in a full-size SUV. 
Yes. And I'm reading between the lines again because they didn't say it uh, physically, but uh, that the Sequoia will be uh, rejuvenated, uh, updated, obviously share a lot of the components um, and be all new as well. Yes, yes. So if you look at um, all of the Toyota different models, you know, they do what we call the kind of market segmentation, which is to try to figure out which model fits into which part of the market. And they, they try to fill the hole, right, whenever there's a little hole. And so the Land Cruiser, there's a hole there because while it uh, it's an important market just above the uh, the current Sequoia, but it's way above, you know, it's way too expensive. It's much bigger and so forth. And it's not, uh, it's not high volume, it's very low volume. So I think it makes so much sense in terms of engineering and marketing even to remove the Land Cruiser. So first of all, there's a bigger differentiation with the uh, LX and then fill that with an upgraded Sequoia and, and, uh, and update the Sequoia to the point it's come closer to the old Land Cruiser. So it's more capable, much more modern, perhaps uh, maybe even better looking than the Land Cruiser. And then it will void the, uh, fill that void between, uh, you know, between what used to be where Land Cruiser used to fill in, but just below it, mm -hmm. because the, the Sequoia has to have a lower price point than Land Cruiser. Yeah. So I think it's a super smart move that they're doing to fill that gap. And then that way we get basically essentially a sport utility version of the Tundra, right? In yeah. the form of a Sequoia. And that's why they're moving the Sequoia from the Indiana factory to San Antonio, Texas. Because when you move the um, the Toyota Tacoma, which they did now, to the Mexican, to Mexican factory, there's about 100,000 units of void uh, of the gap. And so right now the Sequoia doesn't sell all that well, but when they move the Sequoia to San Antonio, Texas for the new model, and it's more capable, it's better looking, it's kind of, kind of like a Tundra level performance, I think it'll do very well. Um, so I think they expect that model to go up in, in, in volume and Tundra will go up in volume because it's a new model. So together they will fill that 100,000 units gap easily. Mm -hmm. So people kept asking me what's happening with the Texas factory because it, wouldn't the whole volume come down? It will, but it will come back up again with the increased sales of the Tundra and the Sequoia. I think the Tundra-Sequoia combination will be stronger than ever, right? Because both models are so up to date. The current Sequoia is, I'm sorry, it just isn't a very good SUV. It's really outdated. It is, but it's still a trucky thing. Yeah. It's a trucky thing. Okay, it's a yeah, trucky. Big trucky thing. <laughs> if, you, if you drive, like I drove the GMC Yukon, you know, recently, I'm thinking, okay, you know what, Toyota, you guys have to ca ca catch up to this. <laughs> There's so many good models in that market. So I, anyway, I think the Sequoia will, will be at that level when the new model comes out. And so the combination of Tundra, Sequoia, the one-two punch could be pretty powerful. Very cool. Well, David, thank you once again for coming on the show. Um, and of course, there's a lot more action happening. So I'm, I'm think in about a month, probably more, we can get back together and talk a little bit more on some other models, right? Absolutely. And there might be more Russian leaks by that time, right? Oh, so. oh no, no. Okay. All right. Anyways, thank you so okay. much, Andre. Great fun to be with you. And uh, good luck, everyone. And uh, looking forward to seeing you guys in your channel and my channel. Great. Thank you very much, David. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.